You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Today, we're going from surviving to thriving in love. Transformation coach and relationship mentor Isla Lynn is with us today to talk all about dating with authenticity, confidence, clarity, and self-acceptance. Whether you're single and ready to mingle, looking for Mr. Right, or already in a committed relationship and just looking to keep things healthy and fresh, Isla Lynn is here to help. We talk about overcoming past heartbreaks or even traumas to be able to trust and be vulnerable again, deepening your love and growing together instead of apart. And also we go there with dating apps. Isla walks you through exactly what your bio should say, what photos to include, and a little formula for navigating the initial outreach through the first few dates so that it's a little bit less overwhelming. Also, Isla Lynn got engaged after six dates with her now husband of 16 years. So beyond some super solid, real, raw tips and advice, you'll also hear a super sweet success story. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Isla Lynn. Hi there. How are you? Doing so good. So happy that you are here on the show. You are a transformation coach, a relationship mentor. You help people uh, date with more authenticity and confidence and clarity and self-acceptance. So like, yes, 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 and yes. Uh, But I know your own personal path had kind of a lot of pain along the way and feeling like you were barely surviving in love, so to speak, before coming to a place of thriving and helping other women do the same. So tell us about yourself and the journey that you were personally on before getting to where you are now and what you do. Goodness, where do I start? I think I did every single thing wrong when it comes to relationships. So it it really began very early on. I was 18 when I began dating. I try not to date in high school because, you know, school was kind of number one for me. And so I kind of went on a first date when I was 18. And um, it was great. But having to navigate the dating world, you know, back then, of course, things were different. Now they're a lot more complex these days because we have a lot more exposure And um, I used to really uh, make myself into this this person that everybody would like. I would literally conform to those that I went out with. Like, whatever they liked, I liked as well, or I looked into liking. Like, I started kind of adapting to what others wanted me to be so that I would feel as though I belong. And that I wouldn't be casted out or judged or criticized. And so that's the journey where where it kind of began for me, where I started kind of masking up, right? Like hiding my true self. At 18, you really don't know who you are, right? So you're kind of trying things on for the fit. 
But when I was in my um, early 20s, all of that sort of hiding behind this persona that I created for myself to cope and to be protected by, um, it came all crushing and burning because I just lost myself. I lost my way. I didn't know who the hell I was. I, I hit a really rock bottom because there were breakups. There was a lot of toxicity. There was a lot of manipulation. And um, it sent me down a very, very dark path where, um, trigger warning, I wanted to unalive myself. I was literally driving in my car one day and I was accelerating. I thought, you know, maybe if I just kind of flew off that street <laughs> into the ditch, nobody would care, right? And it was a really, really dark, dark place. And that was sort of a wake-up call for me to, to turn things around and kind of look at, like, why are you attracting all these toxic men into your life? Why are you trying to, to be everything to everyone? I was in a survival mode. I was constantly hanging on to something. And, but I didn't know what that was at that time. So that's really when I was 23 or so, that's when I began my whole self-discovery journey. Like, who am I? <laughs> what am I supposed to do in this world? Like, what is my purpose here? And so I literally became obsessed with personal development. I signed up uh, for psych degree. I actually went to college to get psych degree so that I can understand that human behavior aspect of things why are people behaving a certain way why are we conforming to the society so much and to such extent that we lose ourselves you know and so what i concluded very early on is because we don't want to be casted out right where we're humans humans create connection and we're ready to do whatever it takes to belong because back in the days, you know, when we had the tribes, it is said that that was your only way to, to survive is to actually be a part of a tribe. Because if you were casted out, you would die. And so our DNA is kind of wired for that. And so you go through life just seeking that validation, seeking that connection. And along the way, you lose yourself. And so a lot of women that I work with right now, have had sort of a similar path where they they grew up thinking that they need to self-sacrifice in order to be loved, be wanted, be appreciated. And somewhere along the way, you kind of wake up and realize, heck no, I come first. I got to come first before I can fill anybody else's cup, right? And so... Um, I ended up realizing that actually in my 30s because I have devoted my life to a career that I was building. And at one point it came crushing down. But at this time I was married. I had kids. I had mortgage. I had bills. Like how do you, how do you change your life? How do you shift all this? How do you uncover your true self? And so it kind of went back to the basics like, okay, what did I like? Like, what, it, what, what did I enjoy? What brought me joy? What did I like to do for me? And what is it that I want to be known for in this world? 
And so that's where the whole authenticity portion came into play. And I kind of slipped into the whole relationship aspect of things because, you know, I've had a number of failed relationships and I've learned from them. But a lot of this toxicity really spilled over into the healthy love as well, where I've developed so many unhealthy coping mechanisms in these toxic relationships that hurt me in a healthy one. And so I had to unlearn all of that in order to be in a healthy relationship because now I've been with my husband for 16 years. And there's still days where I discover some, some, some things that trigger me. But I'm um, much quicker to kind of nip them in the butt right now and reassess them. I think and something so- you said earlier hit the nail on the head too in the sense of we can't pour from empty cups. And so many of us grew up thinking that complete self-sacrifice was like the ultimate the ultimate symbol of nobility in a relationship or that was love, was completely giving of yourself. And I feel like to a certain extent, it can be sometimes, but we can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're not actively taking steps to refill your own cup while you're pouring out to other people, I mean, you're going to you're gonna run dry at some point. This is just like how science works here. <laughs> So I think that that being, being able to develop that awareness and that introspection so that while you are giving of yourself to other people in very noble and sacrificial ways, you are also intentionally refilling yourself and being very aware of where you're at. I mean, that's the key right there. Absolutely. What I've discovered is that we're giving to other people what we need the most. Mm. And from my perspective is I've given it to them because in a, for the lack of a better word, selfish way, it was fulfilling me, right? It was filling my cup. I got that kick of dopamine and serotonin of being of service. But there has to be a limit. There has to be a balance of you know, give and take. It cannot be just give, 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 right? Because others are just going to keep taking. And then you're going to harbor resentment toward those people in your life. Yes, you will love them, but you're going to be like, when is this going to stop? Like, when am I going to come first? But ultimately, we need to realize that it is our responsibility to put ourselves first. Nobody else is going to come and do it and say, hey, you need to come first. (laughs) Let me take care of you, right? It is our personal responsibility to make sure that we do what we need to be able to not survive, but thrive. For sure. I'm also glad you mentioned your husband now and being your the healthy relationship that came at the end of the yellow brick road, so to speak, uh, because I know you guys have a good story. So isn't it true you you guys got married after like six dates or six days of being together? Can you tell this story? Because this is like, <laughs> this is like what dreams are made of for the hopeless romantics in the house. <laughs> so he and I grew up as kids, you know, playing in the neighborhood, but we never really kind of had crush on each other. Actually, later I found out he had a crush on me. I ended up actually having a crush on his friends, but we're not going to talk about that, okay? So I moved away 
and I was away in another country. And then when I was 18, I returned and for about three days, he asked me out and we went out and we dated. But at 18, I knew I was coming to the U.S. I was actually moving to the U.S. with my parents. And I, we just did not see a way of us being together ever. So I literally hugged him and I said, have a nice life. <laughs> and so I went on and I was living my life here in the U.S. And then when I was 26, I ended up going back home. And I accidentally stumbled upon his store. I didn't even know that it was actually his store. It was the local store in the neighborhood. And I walked in and then I found out it was owned by him, but he wasn't there. So we start, like we constantly were missing each other while I was in the country. And literally three days before I would leave, we, we connected. So I didn't know if he was married or if he was, you know, in a relationship or what happened to him, really. So I kind of, of course, you know, that that little nerve in me was kind of asking around, like, what's going on? Like, is he married? Whatever. And so I heard that he was in a relationship. And so when he called me, I was kind of, you know, hesitant. I was at a distance because I'm going back to the U.S. and he's here. He might have a girlfriend. Like, I would not want to impede in his life but he tells me no 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 we broke up about seven months ago and so we finally met and it was funny because the minute we got together it was like this 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 magnetic uh i don't know force or whatever we hugged each other and we actually kissed like we literally picked up where we left off from rating it just felt so magnetic it was so amazing but even then, I was like, okay, I'm in the U.S., he's here, he's got his business, his whole life is here. Just wouldn't be fair for me to ask him, you know, would you want to move? I mean, I didn't think it was an, <laughs> it was an, an option. And so we dated for literally three of those days. But on the last day, I was at the airport and there was something wrong with the aircraft. So they grounded my flight and they canceled it. And that's basically the day where he and I kind of solidified it all. He told me, he's like, I let you go once. I'm not going to let you go again. Will you marry me? And I looked at him and this little voice in my head said, are you seriously, are you going to say yes? And I actually said yes. There was no ring. There was no down on his knee proposal or anything. We're literally sitting next to each other. And um, and I told him yes. And then I looked at him. I'm like, but how are we going to do that? So the plan was for me to come back the following year. We would get married and then he would come. So I had no idea how we're going to work these things out and whether or not this was a serious thing. It just felt right. You know, and so literally I say, I decided to marry him after literally <laughs> six days. <laughs> and so we kept in touch throughout a year. I was here. He was there because obviously he couldn't come. And so we became the very first 90-day couple, you know, the show, 90-day <laughs> fiancé. <laughs> so he came to the U.S. after about nine months. And he was my K-1 visa um, guy and so we had to marry within 90 days but we actually had 
because I was set on on um on a date. So we got married seven seven oh seven. Seven is a very um important number for me and for him as well. And I really wanted that date while we were doing the whole paperwork and the immigration and the visa and all of that. They told me they're like, yeah, he's probably not gonna be here till October. And I I had like I had this belief. I was I was truly truly believing that I was going to get our date. Like everything was kind of falling into place. I had no idea how to get him here. And that worked out. I found an attorney who helped us. And um, yeah, so we got our date as well. And and yeah, so the rest is history. That's wild. They should make a rom-com about you guys. <laughs> Maybe I'll write them. <laughs> Pitch the story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, obviously past heartbreak or disappointment or trauma, any of that kind of stuff, it's heavy it brings weight into future relationships and it could just make it hard to trust again, hard to open up again. I would love to hear your advice, uh, especially since you had heartbreaks under your belt before finding your happy ending, as so many of us do. What's your advice for working through the past and kind of emptying out your baggage along the way so that you can be vulnerable again with someone, especially if you do find yourself in this totally serendipitous situation where like true love is staring you right at the face and you don't want to mess it up that is such a great question I would say that when you are having trust issues the most important thing is to really cultivate self-trust we can't control what's going to happen we can't change the past but we can control how we respond to all of the above and so being someone who had a really low self-esteem um being an anxious lover always looking for love in wrong places and just putting my heart like wearing my heart on a sleeve was really something that held me back a lot and until i did some inner work which I feel is so important and so crucial because most of us have had some sort of trauma, something that has impacted us on such a level that is going to spill into your relationships. So whether it happened when you were a kid, a teen, or a young adult, um, all of that can really impact you. It can impact your level of self-trust because when you don't trust yourself, you're not going to trust anybody else. And sometimes it can isolate you because you're trying to avoid the pain. So what I've learned is to really embrace everything with an open mind, sort of a bird's eye view. And look at your past as okay, so those are the lessons that I had to learn to get me to the point where I need to take action that will be required to set the foundation for whatever is to come, whatever I can create. And when you understand that your past, good, bad, or ugly, is shaping you to the person that you are becoming, then it's easier to digest. But you're still going to have to go through these uncomfortable emotions of having to recall 
what happened and unpack it so that you can fold it away and be okay with it, be at peace with it. I can say that why I said yes to him is because I have done, like a year prior, a lot of work on myself, a lot of, because I've been hurt. I've been hurt and I had such a hard time trusting men. And I avoided dating for a whole year because I didn't want to get entangled because I needed to find who the hell I was away from a relationship, right? Because a lot of times when you are codependent on your partner to make you happy, to make you feel worthy, to make you um, feel seen, you lose yourself. Or you abandon your friends and you're just, you know, with, with your partner all the time. And you forget that as a couple, you should be a couple. But as a couple, you should also be separate entities. You should have your own life. Do not allow yourself to be absorbed in your relationship to the point where you just give up on yourself. And I did that a lot of times. I literally molded into my partner, into whatever it is that he needed to be. And at some point when I said, I'm sick and tired of that, like I want to go do things on my own, I was criticized, I was judged, I felt bad. But all of that was manipulation. And you can't see that you're being manipulated until you're out of that space. Right? Because your reality is so distorted that you don't know what else to believe. You love this person, you care about them, but you know that they're not healthy for you. And sometimes you feel stuck, like, should I leave? Should I not leave? I care about them, but should I leave? You know, and if you're ever at that crossroad in your life, I think it's important to assess, is this person helping me become a better version of me? Or are they holding me back? Because you can choose to leave and love them at a distance because they're not, they're, they're the anchor that is holding you back from achieving whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And when I realized that, that's when I was able to move onward. That's when I was able to let go of the past. That's when I was able to be at the place I called neutrality, where I could decide, okay, which direction am I going to go to? Do I choose to be by myself? And am I going to be happy and content by myself? Or will I go into the next relationship? However, I have learned from this one what not to do in this one. And so when my husband asked me to marry him, I already trusted in myself that I would be okay regardless. Whether this was something like, oh, it was spontaneity, maybe he was just caught up in the moment and he asked me that. But then I came to the US and I didn't have the money or anything to apply for the attorneys or the visa. I didn't even know what the process was, but I took a week just to connect with him. We emailed and we were talking on the phone just to see if his mind was in the right place, because mine was, I was ready. But did he have any second thoughts? Because if I'm going to put the work in, 
then I need to know that he is on the same wave wavelength. And so he told me, he's like, you do whatever you need to do there. And I will take care of everything that I need to do over there. And I said, okay. So we had a plan. And then I figured out the steps. Did I know if I brought him here that we're going to work out? No. There's no guarantees in life. You know, you've heard stories where someone comes, they get a green card, and they leave, right? They go off. That could have been a possibility. But because I trusted in myself that I was going to be okay regardless of what, there's not going to be any hard feelings, and that I trusted that we could make it work, we went through the process. He got here. He held up his end of what he said. So I saw that he was trustworthy, that I could count on him. And those are the things, but we didn't really know each other. I mean, we literally knew each other for six days, right? <laughs> so we have gotten to learn a lot about each other through the 16 years that we've been with. And so we've been thriving together. We have had ups and downs. When he got here in this country, he couldn't work. We didn't have any government assistance because I had to sign all of those rights all over that I was going to feed us and all of that. On my teeny tiny salary, we made it happen. We made it happen. In our first place, he still didn't work. So I asked him, I'm like, do you want to move? Do you want to get our place, you know, away from my roommates? And he goes, well, I'd love to, but I don't know how. Well, I found a way because I trusted that he's eventually going to get a job. And, you know, so, again, it's it's really making sure that you can count on yourself. And the way you do that is by cultivating that authenticity within yourself, knowing who you are, knowing that you can trust yourself first and foremost. Yeah. I think it's important, too, that you both sound like you were whole people as individuals at the point of coming together. And I feel like so often we hear people say, oh, they're my other half. I found my other half. And my gut reaction to that is always, but like, okay, two halves might make a whole, but that also might make a codependent relationship. Like the best situation possible is not actually two halves coming together to quote, complete, end quote, each other, <laughs> but rather it's two holes coming together as individuals to create an even better partnership of two people, not one singular soul operating being. So I think the idea of both being, I mean, obviously it's not necessarily fair to expect like a perfect project coming right out of the gate because we're all going to be works in progress for the rest of our lives and are always there's room to grow together always individually and as a partnership but I love the I've always loved the idea of com intentionally coming together as two whole people not looking for another person to be completing you or to be the uh, the missing half of you they're not there to fulfill something in you that you can't fill somehow in yourself as well you are absolutely on point with that because I think we all grew up with this dream, right? We've seen these movies. Oh, you complete me. Yo, you had me at hello. <laughs> Anyways. Um, or you had me in six days, but. <laughs> or you had me in six days. There you go. Yeah. But see, the thing is, um, 
when you come into a relationship complete or semi-complete, then you know how to set the boundaries. You know how to set the expectations early on. You know who you are as a person. And I can tell you that a lot of men out there are looking for women like that. They're looking for women who know what they want, right? And who are open to being interdependent. I think a lot of us out there are independent and we may scare men away because we're so independent and so assertive. And a lot of times it's because it's sort of a, a protection, right? I don't want to get hurt. Like I can do things on my own. I, I have a lot of women that I work with that are very, very strong minded, very independent, very assertive, very successful. And a lot of that can intimidate men. Right. So I tell them, I'm like, you need to turn your feminine on and you need to turn down your independence. Right. Because if you have all this, why, why, why do you need him? And that's how he's going to think. Right. Why does she need me when she can do everything by herself? Right. Because men want to be needed. They want to be wanted. They um, want to be able to contribute as well. So you can be independent, but still allow that interdependence because you come together as as two entities, right? You fuse and you create your life together. There's some things that I can do on my own, but ask my husband to do it because it makes him feel elevated. It makes him feel that he can provide for me. I mean, I can assemble a desk or a shelf, or, <laughs> right? And I, I enjoyed it because I've done these things on my own for so long, but if I did that, I would be overstepping what he would enjoy. Like I would take that, that joy away from him of actually providing for me. And I think a lot of times we tend to say, okay, I'm just going to do it all on my own. I don't need any man, right? But in reality, it's nice to have a man. So you want to have a man who highlights your life, who adds value to your life in some way. But in order to do that, you need to allow space for it. And so I worked on creating that space because initially, like our first year, we had a lot of clashing. We had a lot of clashing because I've been on my own for so long that, you know, I got used to just doing things on my own. And so I had to literally look at it and step back. And there were things that he called me on that I got triggered by that I had to step back and just take a breath and just say, okay, I see your point of view. Because we all look at life from the me perspective. And when you're a couple, you got to look at the bird side view, right? Yeah. Like stay objective, not subjective. And so he's this masculine. He took care of his family and now he wants to take care of his family, right? Of me, because I'm his family now. And then when the kids came, that was a whole another thing because you go through these phases where you get to know each other. So I say that we're still getting to know each other. I mean, 16 years later, yes, I know things about him. He knows things about me. But as I evolve personally through my personal growth, I change. So he gets to know the new me. And he has said a couple of times, actually, he's like, oh, I see. I see, you know, like this is this is what you change. And I've seen this change in you. 
And so allow me to adjust myself to that as well, because I've seen him um, kind of go and change and shift his perspective as I shift in mine. So yes, you can come into a relate um, a re relationship complete, but then you enhance each other in the best way possible. Yeah. And sometimes you might have someone by your side that doesn't want to grow. And like I said, that person is holding you back, and you just you have to weigh weigh things out. Do I stay? Can I grow? Can I advance? Can I achieve the things that I want to achieve? Or am I being held back? And that's when you decide what you need to do. And I think so much of it too is having that commitment and that dedication to growing together. Because so often when I hear people say like, oh, we just grew apart, whatever. It's like you have to go into any sort of relationship understanding that change is a part of it because change is an inevitable part of life. So like along the way, you got to expect that something's going to be thrown your way that you didn't actually expect. Like someone might lose a job or there could be some other financial hardship. I don't know, a global pandemic, like things happen and you're going to have some sort of reaction to that. So I think it's only fair to, to expect change and kind of go into it with a mutual understanding and a mutual commitment that you will do whatever it takes to grow together even as you each are growing individually and independently in your own directions that you'll still make that effort to kind of have your have your lives still intersecting and having that growth as a as a couple and as a partner be even as you are going on your individual growth journeys as well absolutely it is it is imperative to understand that this is a teamwork right it's not you against me. It's us against the world. And when you go into a relationship with that aspect, then even these little um, rifts that you may have, these, these little fights that you may have, misunderstanding, these nuances, right, that can shift things around, uh, is, uh, are not going to shake you up right? There, you are going to stand a firm ground because you know that you're in it to win it and you're in it to make it work because we're under construction. It's a continuous thing personally and as a team, as a couple. And, you know, when you are newlywed, your phase is different. When the kid comes along or kids come along, that's a whole another world. Like he and I had to get to know each other after we had kids because kids really can throw a wedge <laughs> in your relationship. And so you go through these milestones and, you know, yeah, things are going to be rocky and then they're going to be smooth because life, if you, there, it's no smooth sailing, right? I heard some, something today that was interesting. They say, when you monitor the heart right when someone is alive obviously you go up and down right but then if everything is is steady then you flatline and it was really interesting because yes life is interesting with these ups and downs you grow as people through these ups and downs you uh, identify your strength and your weakness through these ups and downs, right? And you also identify who you have next to you when things are rocky. 
is this someone who gives up or is this someone who steps up? Some of my girlfriends and I joke too that uh, we would be single forever if we were single today because we just could not do the whole dating app thing. And obviously I know this is like a huge part of the scene today and it feels like a completely a different world than what it was even just a couple of years ago. So for those who feel like the only way to meet people nowadays is on a dang app, is there a a way to do it right from what you have seen or we like weed out the weirdos from the start and kind of get lucky in love and find find your happily ever after when it feels maybe super contrived or super unnatural or when it feels like somebody is just going to stalk you on Instagram before they even get the chance to say hello in person like how walk us through here navigating this whole like online dating situation I feel your pain. It is a zoo out there. But let's just squash the myth about you can only meet them online. That's not true. You can meet people organically anywhere you go. The only thing is that you need to come behind your screen. And what I mean by that is when you're out and about, put your phone away. Put your phone away because you don't know who might have had an eye on you already but cannot approach you because you're so consumed with your phone. <laughs> and we're all guilty. We're all guilty of that. But when it comes to dating online, uh, you know, I mean, just like in any dating market, you are going to have to meet a different type of people, right? And so whether you meet them in person or you meet them online, you need to vet them. And you need to give yourself a time to get to know them. A lot of what I see is, you know, I went out on a date and we didn't really click. So all men are the same or all guys are the same. They just want one thing, right? <laughs> so we need to stop with this generalization, right? What I say is when you get on a dating app, make sure that your bio is structured in a way it repels those that you don't want to meet and those that you want to attract. So specifically, what is it that you're looking for in a partner? You don't have to be too specific, but be specific enough so that they know, okay, this is who you're looking for, right? But I can tell you about nine out of 10 of those who look at your profile look only at your pictures and don't read your bio. So there are ways to position your pictures that actually can project a message outward. It's by the way you dress, by the way you stand, like your stance, by the, you know. So choosing pictures, choosing images is important. One of the things that I say, I mean, group, um, group, group pics are great, but they're not there to date your friend, right? They're here to date you. So Try and limit that as best as you possibly can. So your first picture should be your headshot, preferably without glasses on or a hat on, something that is sort of in your natural state and that you have a genuine smile. Your second should be a full body pic because obviously they want to see what you look like, right? It could be you doing something that you enjoy. So that could be a group pick, but just just make sure that you're not obstructed by anything else. 
you know, may, maybe a friend of two. Or if you have a pet, you can do a pet as well, you know, like walking your dog or a cat or whatever they do these days. Um, and then, of course, something that you enjoy specifically, that, that's specific to you, like you have a hobby or something unique, something that's going to make you stand out. Because men are very visual, and so a lot of them don't even read your bio. So they may look at you, they're like, oh, she's so cute. And then they swipe on you and they contact you, right? And that's where the conversations happen. Now, don't get discouraged because I understand that when you're sitting there and swiping on a Thursday or a Friday night and you're like, oh, my God, all these men, like I, there's no connection. It's okay. I can tell you that men are extremely awkward when it comes to conversations. And it's going to take a little while for you to, to understand it. Of course, there's those obvious ones that you're like, oh, douchebag. <laughs> right? But then there's those that can carry on a conversation but are, are a bit slow. Like, you know. And so a lot of times we say, oh, I'm, done, I'm just not going to waste the time. So for me, is if you find someone that you click with and you connect with and you have, let's say, two or four pretty nice conversations. Maybe you've asked some questions and it's not like a dead end road. Like, you know, he asks you questions back and stuff like that. Get on the phone, get out of that app world, get on the phone, hear their voice. And if you feel comfortable, do a FaceTime. And your FaceTime can be your first date, so to speak, right? Because you're face-to-face, -face and you can tell a lot by asking certain questions. You want to ask open-ended questions so that you can learn more about not like a yes and no questions, right? Because you want to stimulate the conversation. And then, you know, stop at the sweet spot. What that means is when you have a conversation and everything is going great, I like to stop right when it's sweet and just say, hey, it's been great. Let's continue this later or whatever, right? And that's the time where he would invite you to an actual date. And then you get, that's where the work starts, really. Then you go out on a date and you assess, okay, do something fun, something where you're in your element, you know, I I say, yeah, you can have a coffee, but coffee is so like, okay, you're going to sit across from each other. You're going to interrogate each other. The whole, no, don't. Grab a coffee, grab a chai tea or whatever, and, and go into the nature. You know, um, if you enjoy galleries or events or something, you know, walk around, talk, be in your natural state. Don't be stiff. Don't think you're having an interview. Just... Get a feel for someone. My um, my suggestion is is not to kiss on the first date. If you like him, maybe give him a kiss on the cheek, and just let him know I had a great time and I look forward to seeing you again. Right, and that's his cue to invite you again. So you're leading the conversations. He needs to understand that, you know he's being liked, that you're enjoying yourself with him, and that, that he has a window to invite you again. 
And if you don't like it, if your date is not going as you intended to, it's okay to cut it short. I cannot tell you how many dates before I learned all this. I have been just muddling through like, oh my gosh, because I felt so bad to just leave up and go right now. Like the new me would be, it's been, it's been great meeting you. This is really not what I'm looking for. You know, I don't feel the connection here. Thanks for your time. Have a nice day. And I would leave. Like I would not go through the whole 45 minutes of him talking about himself. <laughs> right. So be mindful with your time, know what you want and allow some time to get to know someone. Even if you don't have that innate chemistry, that innate connection, like the one I had with my husband, you know, but some of my clients say they're like, I'm just not feeling it. Well, sometimes you can't feel it because he's so awkward. And so you're picking up on his energy. Give him a chance. I say give him a date or two to really get to know him. Because first dates are always awkward. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's trying to put their best face forward, you know. And, and so we kind of stumble on that because you're thinking how you're going to respond. You're not really listening or taking in the conversation, right? So just be relaxed. Be in your element and ask questions that you want to ask. What's important to you? So you can ask specific questions to see whether they have growth mindset. Is this someone that you can mash well with eventually? You know, um, those types of things. A lot of us seem to be in a rush. Like, I want to find someone. I want to find someone. Like, I, I don't want to be alone anymore. I want to. It's not a it's not a rat race. It's a marathon getting to know someone. And if you go out with someone and someone else pops in, go out with that person as well. Do not limit yourself to one person. Because until you have had the exclusive conversations, until you have had enough time to date and get to know someone, you are free to roam and do whatever it is the hell you want. Okay, so don't limit yourself to that. I used to always think if we go out, that's it. It's just him. Like, I'm not supposed to talk to any other guys. But that was because I was in these toxic relationships that were extremely controlling. But you're in control here. It's not them. It's you. You control your time. You control your space. You control the cadence of your date. All of that. I think that's all such good advice. And I think it's also just important as a whole to go into situations honestly, transparently, and if you and letting people know up front what you're looking for, being honest with yourself about what you're looking for. If you're just looking to hang out with somebody for a night, okay, that's cool. You do you, but like make sure that's known versus Be if you're looking too. for right. But if you're looking for like Mr. Right, so to speak, or if you're looking for husband material, I would say don't be afraid to ask the harder questions and to see how they react to things. Because if you're trying to gauge if someone is on the same page as you, 
okay, well, they sh- you'll, you'll know a lot based on how they respond. And if there are certain things that are non-negotiables for you or very core values, core pieces of who you are, I mean, my husband and I had a, a huge debate on something that was important to me on our second date. And I mean, he passed the test. We got married. But <laughs> it was like one of those things where I was at a point where I was like, you know what? I'm not here to mess around. I know what I want. And this is important to me. And if we don't align here, I already know it's not probably not really going to go much farther after that. So if there's, I, I feel like that's important to encourage people to like, don't be afraid to be bold and be brave in your conversations too, because if you have a strong conviction about something and that is a very important piece that you are looking for in a relationship, put that out there too, and let people see how you handle it. And they might not even agree with you up front, but they might be impressed by the way that you think, or they might, their mind might be opened to a new thought or a new way of thinking and it could pay off. So that's my two cents on it too. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, you gotta be authentic. You have to be authentic because then you're going to attract. Yeah. Then you're going to attract the right people into your life. Right. Be authentic as well. Absolutely. I think this was such a good conversation to bring to Thrive. So I'm so grateful for your time and your expertise and everything that you have brought to us today. I would love to get things wrapped up by asking you what we ask all guests to close out the show, which is what does Thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Thrive for me is um, a word that signifies you living your best life authentically and um, unapologetically because that's what you're meant to do here on this earth. That's what you're meant to do in your life. And that's the only way that you can accomplish the things you want to accomplish. You know, because, I mean, thrive in itself. I mean, it's just the self-explanatory, right? you thrive. And when you thrive, everything else around you thrives as well. People in your life, you know, everything, everything that you put your mind to. And not only that, when you thrive, there's no, or I should say there's less room for anxiety, fear, and depression, and darkness. And so you kind of allow light to get in. I love that. Tell everybody where they can connect with you online, find you further, all that good stuff. They can connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I actually just pushed out a book. It's called Uncover Authentic You. It's available on Amazon. It's basically a step-by-step guide for uh, women on how to self-accept and self-discover themselves. It's basically my blueprint of um how to figure out who the heck you are (laughs) wait before you go make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of thrive drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to and come join the party on instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long thanks for tuning in it's your time to thrive